catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And welcome into the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Network. George Plaster, my good friend from Nashville, Tennessee, joins me. He is... Well, I don't want to say all things Vanderbilt, but he's been around the block a time or two. George, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> you know what that means is that I've gotten old. I, I didn't say that. I just said you're a very experienced journalist know, in, in the great the city you, of Nashville. I appreciate the way you put that. Uh, I, want to, I want everybody to learn about your show because it's not a traditional radio show. I know you worked in radio for years and years, and that's how I began to listen to you. Now you can get it pretty much anywhere. I personally listen on YouTube whenever you tweet it out, but it's so many different ways. Tell me real quick and everybody listen about the show. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very similar to my radio talk life in that uh, we do about two hours a day from about 2 to 4 p.m. Central. Kelly Holcomb, the former NFL quarterback, and Watson Brown, the former Vandy and UAB coach, are a part of the show. And um, the the only difference is now you see us, uh, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, I'm not sure that's an advantage. I don't know how anybody <laughs> looking at me, you know, I, what they should do is like put a paper bag over or uh, you know, skull and crossbones, but, um, you know, the shows, people are starting to notice what we're doing. Cause it's very similar to what we did in our radio life. You right. know, we interview people, we do, um, you know, we talk the same stuff we always talked. And in this area, that's Tennessee and Vanderbilt and the Titans and the Preds and and every once in a while I'll get my Braves in there and God, that's depressing. We don't want to talk about that. Okay. No. Um, what, and this is going to really turn people off. What about the soccer team in Geodis Park? Do you ever get any any comments about Geodis and the National Soccer Club? Yeah. The, first of all, that park is beautiful. Yeah, it really is. John Ingram did a wonderful job of putting that thing together. And I'll be honest, I was a little fooled by what the level of support would be. 
they've sold over 23,000 season tickets. And I'll never forget one day I picked up the phone to John and I said, is that really true? And he was like, it is. I knew they'd hired a really good staff to kind of beat the bushes. But the truth of it is, because I've been to a bunch of their games, uh, I, I would say their fan base is anything and everything. Young, old, people just enjoy it. They have fun with it. They've done a really nice job. Quick question, and I'm, I'm not ready to open this can of worms too early, I'm afraid, but I'm going to. Why did Vanderbilt not just go over there and play for a year until they got their stadium ready? You know, I to me, that's a really good question because it, it makes so much sense. John Ingram, for lack of a better term, would be Vanderbilt's team owner. He's the guy that's put, you know, his money where his mouth is. And there really have not been a lot of others um, that you could say that about. Now, I make jokes on the air. You know, when we get to Texas and Oklahoma and Texas A&M, I call them all JRU and wannabes. But in in John Ingram's case, I think it's a great question, and I don't have a really good answer uh, because I think deep down he would love to have had that happen. Looking at this Vanderbilt team, and and we'll get to the team in a moment, but the reason I want to talk to you is you and I have talked off air a ton about the history of Vanderbilt football. I make no bones about it. Vanderbilt is a place that's always been special to me. I think a lot of it because it's in Nashville. It's one of my favorite towns. And I've just always had a bit of a kinship with you and, and some other uh, folks on the Vanderbilt beat. And it's just a program that's been kind of special to me. Uh, Vanderbilt has seen some success under James Franklin. Uh, other than that, you've got to go back to really Fred Pancoast. And then that, that, that's that been a lot of water under the bridge, George. Um, what – Clarkley, I mean, I know you know him. I know you know his dad. And where's the program right now? And, and is Candace Lee, the athletic director, and the folks over at Magoogan, are they going to give him some time to, to implement his program, to, to do kind of, for lack of a better word, do what he wants to do and what he wants to implement in the program? Yeah. My gut feeling is that they're going to give him the time um, they recently signed him to a contract extension, and because it's a private school, they don't have to tell you anything. Um, so I, I, I don't have any doubt that he is going to be given the time. I think what has happened, though, Brad, that's really alarming is that, and, and I bought into it as well, and, and maybe I wanted to buy into it because of, you know, family knowing you know, knowing him and his dad the way I've known them, you know, I pretty openly have rooted for Clark. I have thought that their recruiting had gotten them to a point athletically where they were better than what they've been showing. They had a game at UNLV that was just an absolute comedy of errors, and a lot of it made their coaching staff look pretty dumb. And I think since then... You know, I'm not going to say free fall, but it's certainly a, a significant dip from a year ago. Right. Um, you know, and there, there, there's two big losses in the transfer portal that most everybody knows about. 
the kid Mike Wright, who started at Mississippi State last Saturday, uh, was one of them. He's not a great thrower, but when he was in there, you know, they beat both Kentucky and Florida wins that nobody saw coming a year ago. The other is Ray Davis, who has gone to Kentucky and killed it. If they didn't have Ray Davis, I don't know where they'd get any offense talking about Kentucky. So right. they've lost they've lost a couple of things there. A.J. Swan has been hurt. When he was healthy, he was very inconsistent. Uh, they've put a lot of eggs in that kid's basket. The, the one big bright spot to me is a kid, London Humphreys, who's a, a local kid from CPA who has had a heck of a freshman year. And I bet, I, you know, I would bet all the tea in China that about 50 schools have illegally reached out to him, you know, saying, do you really want to go through this misery for the next three years? Come and join us. I mean, I think that's going on all over the place. The rest of it, I don't see the talent level upgrade that they had been claiming was going to happen. Um, if you look, they've given up a lot of points on defense. They're not getting much done on offense. They're really not very good at much of anything. Does Vanderbilt have a NIL program that you know of? Yeah, I mean – I hear all of this, but I'm not convinced on, on a couple of fronts that it's very effective. Number one, their fan base is as small today as I have ever seen it. And that's going back for me, you know, to my first memories of Vanderbilt football is in the late 60s. I actually saw Archie Manning play a game at Vandy. And when I said that recently – Everybody looked like I ought to, you know, be put in a home or something. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. I don't guess it was. Well, I'm, um, I'm trying to, to keep from laughing about you talking about how old you are. <laughs> but the, their fan base today is smaller than it's ever been. And so a lot of people that maybe 10 years ago might have been willing to help have long since left the fold. And then I think there's another group that's sitting there saying, what's the use? You know, you're battling odds that are huge. And I think, look, I don't have any proof of this, but I don't think they're just rolling in the dough NIL-wise. So I guess I'll, I'll put it this way. Whatever they do in NIL, they have to be really smart about it. You and Coach Brown on your show have talked about uh, the chancellor, president, whatever he's called, uh, Daniel Deermeyer, is a big advocate for athletics. Okay? Um, we all know that the new day in college athletics is compensation. So how is Clark going to succeed if he doesn't have the NIL portion of this? Look, I'm excited about the stadium. I think it's really cool what Candace and her crew are doing. Uh, taking away that 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 south end that's bold in, and then redoing the north end with the the suites, and that that's great from a, from a fan perspective. But they got to get players, George, and, and how are they going to do that? Well, I I will say this: I think they have been a tireless group in recruiting. I think Derek Mason gave up in the final two years, and I you know he left 
Clark Lee with what I would consider a mid-level Ohio Valley Conference kind of roster. So they, they've been battling from upstream. I think he's a tireless worker, and their staff is a tireless worker in recruiting. I just don't know if they're getting the the level of SEC player that they've got to have to compete. Uh, Deermeyer, you know, he he threw a chunk of money at this, supposedly in the neighborhood of three hundred million, to start the ball rolling on all this, and that's great. I mean, it's the first time anybody has done anything like that, pretty much in my lifetime. The problem is, it's a deck chair off the Queen Mary, and you and I know it. I mean, we've we've both visited all these SEC campuses. And the amount of money being spent on athletics is mind-boggling. You know, I remember I remember a time, Brad, for instance, when, when I was doing Memphis State's games where you would come down to Vaught-Hemingway, and frankly, it was a dump. And now you look at it, and I'm just amazed at what they've gotten done uh, over the years. And I know Archie Manning was a huge help in that. Gosh, I mean, that's going on everywhere. And so Vandy's sudden commitment is perhaps a day late and a lot of dollars short. Looking at what they're doing with the stadium, in which I think when it gets done, it's going to be really nice. Now, let's look at the glass half full of this part of it. Can Clark Lee, in your opinion, pull what I like to call a Dan Mullen? A Dan Mullen is where you can go out and get some pretty high-caliber players that aren't the five- and four-star player, but coach them up and win some games. If there's anybody that can do it, in my opinion, Clark Lee can do that. Well, I, you know, I think that's what we're hoping for in it. And in fairness, w- one thing that is probably not helping them, they're playing a lot of young kids in their secondary. And those kids a year or two from now might be a whole lot better. They're kind of getting torched right now. You know, I can remember, I don't know, two, three weeks ago when they played Missouri. And Missouri, who, by the way, is pretty darn good. Brady Cook throws about an eight-yard sideline pass. And the receiver catches it. And I'm looking, and Vanderbilt's defensive back has given him a cushion. Hell, I could have beaten it. You know, and I'm like, whoa, you know, it can't be this easy. But that's what happens, you know, when you play a lot of freshmen and and all that kind of stuff is that you hope they become sophomores and juniors by the end of their freshman year. One stat that, that really jumps out to me is what I look at and when you talk about talent discrepancy. In the first quarter, you can tell that Clark Lee and his staff have game-planned the heck out of their opponent. Uh, only trailing by one point, 51 to 50 in the first quarter. The problem is, is that talent starts kind of stretching its its wings in the second quarter. Uh, outscored 96 to 45 in third quarter, 44 to 31. So that tells me that Clark Lee's putting a great game plan together. He just does not have the horses right now. And and here's the thing, George. Uh, that UNLV game, they lost by three points. At Wake Forest, I thought they played pretty well. Wake stretched in the second half and beat them 36-20. to Kentucky, two-touchdown loss. Missouri, two-touchdown loss. Florida, 
couple of touchdowns lost. And then, of course, the Georgia game the other day, 37-20, to 20, played Georgia really well in the first half, and Georgia just kind of stretched that lead out. The good news, it, it appears that Clark Lee has a really good game plan. The problem is he just doesn't have the players to execute right now. Well, let me say this. Um, a couple of the games in the SEC, they got late touchdowns that made it look better. Yeah, that's in why I left out the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. in particular, the Kentucky and the Missouri games. Right. Now, Georgia was a totally different story. If they had played that well all year, there might be another win or two. Uh, they shocked me in that game. Really played Georgia tough. At one point, it was 30-20, to 20, and I'm like, holy cow. And the thing that's hard to gauge, and you know this, is does Vanderbilt catch teams sleepwalking from time to time? I think they do. And so you're sitting there trying to gauge, okay, how much of this is improvement and how much of it is that the other teams just sort of slept walk and, and hasn't taken them very seriously. That's the hard part to gauge sometimes. It is. Let's look at the Russian attack. Uh, Patrick Smith and Cedric Alexander are, are the two running backs. And, of course, uh, Jade McGowan has, has carried it a few times as well. Uh, it appears to be that the Smith and Alexander show for Vanderbilt. Yeah, and the truth of it is they can't run the ball for squat. Um, they they just they haven't run the ball. When they couldn't run the ball on UNLV – that's when all the alarm bells went off in my head that, wow, you know, so that that's one of the things they've been fighting is that they can't really, they can't push people around with their offensive line. And that has certainly made the quarterback stuff more difficult. Um, you know, I don't know what he's doing Saturday. Seals has actually been better than A.J. Swan. Not by much, but but just simply in not turning the ball over. But I I would be shocked if they run the ball with any effectiveness against Ole Miss. Yeah, Ken Seals, sixty five of one hundred five, has two interceptions, but like George says, eight touchdowns, and and that's a better efficiency than Swan, seven interceptions and eleven touchdowns. So Seals, who Georgia feels like has been at Vanderbilt for fifteen years, uh, eight hundred thirty six <laughs> yards through the air and is averaging 139.3 through the air. A lot of those receptions have come from Will Shepard and Jade McGowan. Those are two really good players. And another one, George, that I've really been impressed with, you talked about a moment ago, is London Humphreys, and there's also Quincy Skinner Jr. Yeah, that's the one area. You know, I should have said this earlier. That's the one area that I see that they have made some progress is they've got some decent skill people in the wide receiver world. I Now – the, the next time they use their tight end will be the first time. I don't get that, but it's sort of the truth. They do have some wide receivers that can cause some problems, and when they get time, Shepard's as good as any. I mean, Shepard, you know, you can put up there with, with a lot of schools best, and he'll stack up pretty good. And now what's happened is, they've, like you said, they've got a second and a third and a fourth receiver it's the one area that they are considerably better. On defense, George, to me, 
uh, C.J. Taylor has been above and beyond the best player on defense. Leads the team in tackles with 52. Uh, heads above better than everybody. Tackles for loss seven and a half and has a three sacks, two interceptions. He is a complete football player. Yeah, he is the uh, he is the the class of the the deal. And then behind him, to me, is a huge drop off. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see because I think the off week might help them some. To, to come back with a little bit of renewed energy. You know, when you keep getting your brains beat in, that gets a little discouraging after a while. I really look for them to play on defense with a little more zip than they have. But here's the other thing. You guys are pretty good. Man, um, I, I am so impressed. The more I watch Ole Miss – and the, and the more I watch Jackson Dart, I don't know that I was that sold on him a year ago. He's won me over. Yeah, he's come a long way. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss is clicking on all cylinders right now. And, 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 and kind of going back to Vanderbilt, George, on the schedule, is there anybody, you know, we'll see what happens on Saturday. But after the game on Saturday, is there any gettable team for this Vanderbilt team to get a conference win? I haven't really thought so. Uh, I've thought for a while, and I've said it on the air, that it sure looks like they're going 2-10. and 10. I guess Auburn is the, the one that's left that gives you the most chance. You all uh, playing Auburn turned them, you know, very one-dimensional. Uh, you know, it has to be driving Hugh Freeze crazy that really all he can do is run. They can't throw a lick. And you would think that uh, the teams could take advantage of that. Uh, they play Vandy and Auburn play next Saturday here. I think it's a three o'clock game. I would put that as their best shot at a win. And that's a chance for uh, Vanderbilt to get in the win column. And yet, I, I think they can beat Auburn. I really do. And a lot of I think a lot of that's going to depend on what Auburn team you get. Uh, Tell me what happens with Auburn and Mississippi State. If they somehow, you know, beat the Bulldogs pretty good and get some momentum going, that could uh, prove to be difficult for the Commodores. It's Ole Miss and Vanderbilt coming to you 6.30 in Oxford. And Ole Miss a chance to go to 7-1. And, and uh, boy, it would be a, a big win to get another uh, conference win under your belt before Ole Miss gets ready for the stretch run of Texas A&M, UL Monroe. Uh, Georgia, and, of course, Mississippi State. He's George Plaster, kind enough to join us today. Be sure and follow him on Twitter, slash X. That's George Plaster TN. He's, of course, the host of The Plaster Show. That's in Nashville. You can watch it on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, every weekday. And I've had a chance to watch a lot and be a part of that show from 2 until 4 Central Time. George, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Brad, thank you, and let's be honest. You haven't learned one thing out of that show. I've really enjoyed it. I've had a chance to visit with Coach Brown and you and, you know, Watson Brown. I mean, everybody in Mississippi knows who Watson Brown is. I mean, between yeah. his time, it, uh, he's he's been all over Mississippi, been all over the state of Alabama, and now, of course, uh, working with you uh, over in Tennessee. So, yeah, we love Watson. We love you, George. We know you were at the uh, at, at then Memphis State University. And, and real quick, and, and I, now that we're at the end, we can talk about this. Tell, tell me a little bit about – when you had that opportunity, what year was it? Did you – and I think um, – forgive me if I'm wrong – you followed Lee Fowler? I followed Jack Eaton. Jack Eaton, that's right. Okay. 
Okay. So the, the first game I did, I was, I don't know, 27 or whatever. Um, you know, and this is a tremendous opportunity as a, a D1 play-by-play announcer. And the first game is against Ole Miss at the Liberty Bowl. And it's the largest crowd at that point in Memphis State history. What year would this have been? 1987. I got you. And, you know, it's 65,000 people in there where they normally would draw about 25. So Ole Miss had at least half of the place. Well, my dad tells me later, he says, the reason they had that crowd, he said, they didn't want to listen to you. (laughs) (laughs) So Memphis State won on a goal line stand at the buzzer. I think it was 17 to 16. We had a linebacker, Damon Young, who filled a hole. This, you know, everybody was rushing to the line of scrimmage. The clock's running. It's a, it's a total, you know, just fire drill. And Ole Miss hands it off, and Damon Young stuffs him. We win the game. Later that year, we beat Alabama. Um, that was, um, oh, gosh, um, I can't think of him. Um, Bill uh, Bill Curry's first year at Alabama. Was that 88 or 87? No, I bet 87. Yeah, okay. 87. We beat them 13 to 10, and um, we were really athletic, and it was fun, but I guess deep down my heart was in Nashville, and that turned out to be a pretty good decision on my end at the end of the year to say I'm going back home. Yeah, the Tigers in 87, 5-5 five and five under Charlie Bailey. Charlie was awesome. God, I I loved working with him. Um, that was so much fun. Beat Ole Miss 16-10. Lost to Vanderbilt the next – 16-10. 16-10 and then lost to Vanderbilt the following game, 27-17. Uh, played Florida State. Lost it uh, 41-24. A close one to Mississippi okay, well, State. Stop, hey, Brad, stop there. Yes. So we're tied with Florida State, and we make the we're in Tallahassee. 17- by the way, I'm sorry. Say that again. This, that that was in Tallahassee. Yeah, we make the decision mid middle of the third quarter, tied at 17. We make the decision to punt to a guy named Dion Sanders. Wow. About three seconds later, it's 24-17, and I look up about 10 minutes later. It's forty-one to seventeen, and I'm like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, that they were ranked number seven at the time. Um, yeah, and then a close one to Mississippi State in Starkville, losing nine to six. That sounds oh, like a big field goal game. Yeah, and then that was the Alabama game. You went thirteen to ten. I I didn't. I never knew Alabama lost to Memphis. I've never known that until right now. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I used to laugh. Paul Kennedy, a buddy of mine. Oh yeah, at the time was Alabama's announcer. And I always tell Paul that I'm one and zero against him. That's now amazing. I'm zero for a bunch of other announcers <laughs> yeah. uh, in that battle, but I'm one and zero in that deal with Paul. And in true Memphis fashion, and no disrespect to my dear friends up the road, Southwestern Louisiana, thirty-one to seven, you lose. Isn't that that's just pure Memphis? Beat oh Alabama. Gosh. Beat Ole Miss. Lose to Southwestern Louisiana 31-7. to Holy cow, I had blocked that one out. Tiger, For good reason. 
football from 1987. You get a little bit of everything here on the Believe It Ole Miss podcast. George, well, you, I, you you left there and went to you were at Vanderbilt for a while, weren't you? Yeah, I came back. Uh, I came back home. My parents were furious because I quit without a job, and they were all over me. You got to get a job. You got to get a job. And I got offered a sports talk show gig. And at the time, I thought it was stupid. And it turned out 30 years later to be only 30, you know, an awesome thing for me. And, and then Vanderbilt hired me in the mid 90s. I did their games. Uh, I guess it was four years. Did, uh, did a package of Georgia Tech games when, uh, when Calvin Johnson was at Tech. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I. West Durham I, was at Georgia Tech when you were there? Absolutely. And, Wes, you talk about one of the all time greats. Yeah. And one of the all time funny human beings. West Durham, of course, um, his dad, Woody, would be the voice of North Carolina. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I got them both on the air one day. And really? You barely tell the difference. Really? I'm not surprised. Oh by my that. God, they sounded so much alike; it was scary. Yeah. Did uh, Did Joe Fisher follow you at Vandy? He did. Okay. And, and Joe uh, did the games for I want to say like 22 years. He did it a while, and I think he, now he's filling in, and he's still doing some work, which I was glad to see. Um, yeah. I know he misses it, and uh, Joe's man. Joe, I listened to a lot of Joe Fisher games, and I, I really enjoyed how he called a game. And he he's called some stinkers over the years, but you never knew it. Oh my God! I mean, you never well, knew it. I, he's such he is such a pro. And he and I have laughed about that over the years. You know, when, when you do a game that's fifty-one to three, you know it's easy to do one that's twenty-one to twenty, right. or you're about to upset the fifth-ranked team in the country, but. When you're down 51-3, it's not as much fun as people, you know, try to make it out to be. Yeah. So anytime Joe would get a clunker, I would call him the next week and just say, uh, buddy, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. Man, I I, I love radio. Who, who was your color analyst? Was it, uh, was it Norman Jordan? Uh, John Gromos, okay. a former quarterback at Vandy, yeah. was. They, they allowed me to pick my own color analyst and the truth of it is Gromos and I were playing on a city league basketball team together and um at one point I just turned to him and I said here's what's going on I want you to be my color guy he was like are you serious yep that's how that one happened okay so Norman did 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 um did Joe get Norman because I know Joe worked with Norman uh, Norman you know, Jordan for a while. We've all done a little bit with Norman. Okay, uh, I did. I did a year uh, of television replays back when TV replays were actually, yes. you know, part of how this stuff worked. Norman and I did a year, and we were in school at the same time, so we've known each other for years. And you know, he he lives here, works here. And, and so he's been around this a lot. Yeah, I, I, I really think Norman does a great job. He, of course, now works with Andrew Allegretta and, um, gosh, in, uh, Kevin, Kevin Ingram. Ingram. Yep. And that's what I started to say a moment ago, not to be confused. You know, he talked about the other Ingram 
gentleman you were referring to. I was like, not to be confused with Kevin Ingram, who works on the network. So, uh, Have you ever had Kevin on? I have talked to him a couple times in the press box. He's really good. I have not. Well, let me tell you what he's good at that you, you wouldn't have any way of knowing. He he imitates people, and he is who a can real he do? study. Well, he, he's got me down. It's ridiculous. Oh, I, okay, I'm going to ask him Saturday in the press box if he'll come on and do some um Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you what he used to do. He used to do this thing because – on on the show that I did in the afternoon, he was part of a morning show, and he would do this, the what he called the director's audio diary, and and he would do this thing where Jeff Fisher and I would would end up talking to each other, and and it was hilarious. And for a long time, I didn't know he was doing this stuff, and you know when I so he can sound him, like Jeff Fisher. Oh, he, he's got Jeff Fisher down perfect. He's got Mike Shashevsky, um, Vin Scully. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got to do this. Patino. Um, I mean, Kevin Ingram is is one of the two or three most talented people that I have ever worked with in radio. That guy could be a stand-up comedian. I, I'm so glad you told me this because I love impersonations. I think they're great. And, uh, you know, come, I'm, I'm the, just an absolute radio nerd, and I, I admit that. Uh, but I've always had so much respect for so many other voices around the SEC. And that's that's one of the first things I do, uh, regardless of who Ole Miss is playing, is is get a moment to go speak to the radio crew and uh, thank them for what they do. And so that's really cool. I'm going to have to get – I'm going to – I hope Kevin is there on Saturday. Oh, I, I'm sure he will be. He does the, the sidelines okay. of the radio. and. You know, there are times where he'll just break into it. Yeah. Uh, when I when I finally told Jeff Fisher what was going on, I said, are you aware that you and I talk every morning on the radio? He had no idea. Yeah. And so I, I told him, I said, we got to bust Kevin sometime. And he and I, Fisher and I got into a, a deal one night at a dinner that Kevin was also at. And my part in the play was to get up and him see something. And I made I made Kevin get up. I said, Jeff Fisher wants to hear you do him. And of course he didn't the whole know this. crowd, everybody's hooting and hollering and you know, and all of a sudden he breaks into oh, I told her ball club plus territory. Yeah. And he had that heavy breathing the yeah. way Jeff did. And it was perfect. He's really good. Got to get him. Got to get him. George, thank you so much for coming on today. It's uh, it's always a lot of fun, and I uh, look forward to talking with you very soon. Hey, you too, uh, buddy. I appreciate you putting up with me.
Today's show is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Just head on over to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today. Use our promo code Believe50, B L E A V 50, and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. But online, where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Realtor Debbie Aldison Johnson. If you're looking for a spot in the Oxford area or quite frankly, anywhere in Mississippi, that is your go-to. Remember, real estate industry since 2003, looking for that special ag property, maybe a recreational property, maybe a commercial real estate property, or a new home. Uh, Debbie does a great job and can be your real estate agent today. Just contact her directly at 662-234-5555. Of course, that's a member of the Kessinger Real Estate family at KessingerRealEstate.com. And Debbie has been with them for quite a few years. If you need to get her directly, just dial her cell phone at 662 662- 689-0090. Remember, your go-to for real estate, whether it be commercial, farm, or maybe you need that home. Maybe you need that second home in Oxford. You're looking maybe to relocate to Oxford. Part of the real estate family, the Kessinger Real Estate family. Debbie Johnson, your realtor, 662-234-5555. Or call her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Debbie Johnson, a proud sponsor here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Sisk Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, T-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. Hi, this is Brad Logan. The Grove Collective's mission is to support, elevate, and protect the well-being of all our student-athletes through a wide range of NIL opportunities and initiatives at Ole Miss. The Collective was established to deliver a best-in-class NIL experience that is worthy of the student-athletes who give their all for Ole Miss. This consolidated and sustainable model provides premium access and experiences between our members, corporate partners, and our athletes. To support all Ole Miss athletes and their NIL platforms, visit thegrovecollective.com. That's the grovecollective.com. Join our team, become a member today. If you're looking for the perfect game day outfit for the Grove, look no further than the Rogue in Jackson. Live in Oxford? No problem. Go to therogue.com and shop the collegiate section, and there you'll find Horn Legend Peter Millar, the best selection of Rebel Game Day clothing, celebrating 56 years of business and a sponsor of the Grove Collective. When you're in Jackson, Go by the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in the capital city. An extensive collection of sports coats, suits, shirts from brands like Peter Millar, Tom Beckby, Brax, Jack Victor, Mark Digman, and others. And when you stop by the store in Jackson, and that's where you'll see the best selection of Rebel game day clothing. That's the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in Jackson. Go by and tell them that you heard about it on the Believe It Ole Miss podcast. You've been listening to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE. 
and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.